Hi, so I'm here with Dr. Mike Pownell, who's the Veterinary Service Manager for the Pan Am Games. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Melanie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what your role is as the Veterinary Service Manager at the Games? So uh, my role is to coordinate the daily vet care at the Games, which means that I'm responsible for finding the veterinary volunteers, technician volunteers. Uh, we have students, vet students from across Canada here. Schedule them, make sure we have all of the equipment, uh, testing equipment, medication, anything that any visiting team or horse uh, will need uh, while they're at the Games. Okay, great. Um, so can you tell us, tell us a little bit more about some of the planning that went into it? Because I know it was really extensive. It's a huge event. Yeah, no, we first started having meetings about this in October of 2013. And, you know, working with CFIA because there's a big concern of these animals coming in all across from the Americas, coming across from Europe. And, you know, we really wanted to make sure we really haven't had this kind of... Uh, multidiscipline uh, importing of animals in Ontario yeah. from you know maybe since the uh, dressage equestrian games way back in the early 80s wow. so this is something new and I guess it's also a precedent because the world equestrian games are in Bromont Quebec in 2018 so the CFIA wanted to make sure that they have all protocols in place we can institute now but also we can use later on with WEG. Right, gotcha. Um, and then there's been some pretty serious biosecurity, biosecurity protocols that have been developed and Sure has. No, and that's been a, a big challenge and a learning opportunity. And uh, as you said, this has been a big endeavor and you couldn't do this alone. So we've had a lot of partners that have helped us out on the various stages. So we started working with Dr. Allison Moore of OMAFRA and Dr. Scott Weiss of uh, Ontario Veterinary College several months ago of drafting the initial biosecurity protocol. Yeah which we then worked with CFIA to make sure it covers all what they needed. We have, you know, horses coming in from Europe. We have horses, CEM horses coming in from the States. We have a couple of horses that have pyroplasmosis, which we do not have in Canada. So there are separate isolation um, barns made up for them. We wanted to make sure that uh, we had a system in place that we can identify disease. Yeah. Um, and so what we're doing with that is that every horse is getting their temperature taken twice a day. Right. So we can identify if anybody's starting to have a fever. When they're admitted on the property, we have a full uh, examination where we're doing, you know, examining the horses, their physical state, identifying where they've come from. If we see a horse that has a temperature or a runny nose or we're suspicious that it might have an equine shipping fever or some other disease, we had some isolation stalls to hold them. So we're really managing this population well. We were able to work with a, a product called A-Cell, which is used at all of the veterinary teaching hospitals in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, that they have been really gracious in working with us, making sure we have enough of the product. So every time a new shipment of horses comes through in our entry stall, we're dousing the area, disinfecting it, have hand wipes all across the barns. Cool. So we're really minimizing the spread of disease between you know grooms, riders, veterinarians, anybody that's around. Fantastic. And then we have a full diagnostic blood lab on site. So if we are suspicious of a problem, IDEX has generously donated a lab for us while we're on site here. So if we have a problem, we can identify it right away. And then finally, if we have to treat something, uh, we've prevented it and we've identified something. If we have to treat something, the Ontario Veterinary College is our referral hospital. So if we have isolation or a medical case or something that we're concerned about, we can get it treated and 
have that animal out of the herd here and protect the rest. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've noticed the uh, the weed sprayers around here containing Axel or Acel in it, um, or I don't know how you say it, Axel. Either way, Acel. I'm, I go back forth myself. Sure. Yeah, Maybe so it's like tomato, tomato. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's really an easy way, and it's made me start thinking about our own our own practice. Yeah. Is that I'm going to start. Uh, instituting uh, like that too because I mean we, we start thinking of twitches and nasal gastro yeah. tubes that I mean we, we clean between horses but we don't necessarily I don't know if we're as diligent in being in disinfecting sure. so yeah you're talking about that sort of foamer that we use this looks like a weed killer or weed spray with has the a cell that would you know I'm gonna start using it to disinfect our floors in between horses that come into the clinic yeah, yeah. making sure our twitches and tubes are a little bit disinfected and, and just some of those it's it's a really um, benign product that's it's you know it doesn't really irritate your it's skin like a peroxide base. yeah it's, a, it's a, what do they call it as an accelerated hydrogen peroxide right, yeah. product and so yeah and i think you know i'm going to actually start talking to some of our barn owners because yeah. it is so easy to apply that horses that bars that have a lot of horses that are coming and going or they're hosting shows i think it'd be a really good idea to start minimizing spread of disease between barns yeah especially horse- if you had an outbreak of strangles or something like that it would be really good to have that or if you had an isolation horse or someone or a horse with diarrhea and you had kids around like that seems like it would be kind of a no-brainer to have absolutely and this is so easy to apply and to use yeah. this kind of product and i think if we can start getting people thinking about that kind of you know we, we worry about our kids going to school yeah. you know as veterinarians we you know we're really good at washing our hands in between cases but yet a lot of our equipment we sort of ignore yeah and i don't think it's it's so ingrained in us yeah so i think you know just developing new habits with our veterinarians and, and maybe for our barn owners, I think this would really help spread the disease as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I guess the, you can get those wipes pretty well anywhere. And then this, you said this, the foamers are not actually just plain old weed sprayers. They're, they it's are It's a special foamers. formula, uh, it's a special um, machinery they have that's sort of the product. So the, it comes out as a foam and it looks like, you know, you got soapy floors, but it dries up within a few minutes. It disinfects mm. within five minutes and then 30 minutes is gone. That's you know, cool. if we've got horses coming in and that will just squeegee it up, which you're going to do anyhow if you're hosing down a floor. Yeah, yeah. But it's a lot better on, on, on like flooring and equipment than like, like the Ver- Betadine right. or the Chlorhexidine sure. or the Vercon. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess harsh. and Vercon has a really good uh, spectrum too, but yeah. it's maybe a little more harsh on skin. Yeah. So, but it could be, I guess you could put that in a weed sprayer if you're wearing a mask or something. But yeah, I, I guess point. I don't, I don't know all yeah. this. I don't, I guess I can't say on here that it would be like the exact advice on that, but it would be, uh, but I guess there's other options out there. Yeah. I and mean, I just know that, you know, with all the veterinary teaching hospitals using it, the world equestrian games using this kind mm-hmm. of product that we felt very safe using it and CFIA yeah. endorsed it. So cool. Well, that's, yeah. Well, yeah, CF, we it's okay it. with CFA. It's We're probably good okay with, with us. Yeah. Good. Um, all right. So, can you tell us a little bit about what the vet team is doing? Like, how, what kind of vet groups you have, um, kind of representing in, in your in your under your purview and that sort sure. of. Sure. So, well, first of all, we have students from all of the veterinary. We have it from PEI, University of Montreal, WCVM, and of course OVC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have technicians that are helping out, and we have veterinarians all volunteering their time. So, we have. Two to three vets on during the day. So we'll have a vet, uh, what we call by field to play during the competition. So mm-hmm. something would happen. Uh, not a wood, nothing has. But, um, and then we have, uh, we're also working with the CFIA vets when horses are admitted to make sure, mm-hmm. and with the FEI vets. So it's a really a very cohesive team. A lot of different organizations working together. Uh, but we're supplying, you know, medications, supplies, whatever any of the teams need, we have it for them blood work as we talked about for a lab. I mean, last night, a bunch of the uh, vent horses, they want to make sure their hydration levels are right. So we're doing, you know, making sure there's no subclinical diseases. So we ran a bunch of CBCs last night on a bunch mm-hmm. of horses. So 
we're just trying to, we, I guess, offer peace of mind and make sure that everything they need is taken care of here. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that sounds awesome. It's really great to have so many people here to help and so many, I wonder how many vets there are per square foot in here. There is a lot. You know, it's <laughs> almost like our goal to go into this is that we really wanted to be bored. If we were bored, that means nothing was happening to the horses. Yeah, that could be a true. success. Yeah. And so sometimes people say, well, what do you have all these vets for? And we're like, well, prepare for the worst. You know, and so if something did, something bad happened, we have people on hand. Yeah, that's right. And so, and, but if, you know, nothing is really exciting that way, which is our At least fault. we can concentrate on the competition. <laughs> exactly. We're watching great horse shows. Yeah. And, oh, can you tell us a little bit about um, what's going to be going on on Cross Country Day and some of the planning and the preparedness that went into that? So, yeah, Cross Country is, you know, we have 26 fence on the Cross Country. And that's a very physically demanding sport for horse and rider. And again, the welfare of the horse is paramount for all of us. So we have... 10 veterinarians that will be working on course that will uh, monitor a couple jumps each, mm -hmm. fully stocked truck. So if something does happen, uh, we're prepared. We'll be working in conjunction with the human medical team as well. Yeah. We have a full, uh, we'll be moving our clinic to the cross country course so we can help any of the horses if it need be. Um, and then we have the students, so we're, we've got it covered. Right. Again, we're playing again more have more vets per square foot anywhere in Canada that day. And you guys did um, and you guys did some walkthroughs of scenarios yeah. and and you did some emergency training in advance, right? Yeah, just the past couple of days we sort of made some scenarios trying to mimic what it would be like. So we had some people on mountain bikes, oh. and we sort of had mystery scenarios. And so we the, the, we and the people on the mountain bikes knew what was going on. We had our best position around, and they'd go to a jump and something would happen mm -hmm. and they'd have a card that people would rush to it, read the card and go, Oh, we need this. We need that. And then we'd bring in, you know, the, um, we had a horse ambulance yep. that's there and they would come onto the scene or we had the human medical team comes on or maybe nothing at all. Maybe the rider just fell off, mm -hmm. but was able to walk away and everything was good. Great. So. Oh, that's really great though. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining us and for all that information. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, I'm here with Dr. Duncan Peters, who's the Foreign Veterinary Delegate for the Pan Am Games for the duration of the, uh, the three stages. So welcome, Duncan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so if you want to tell us a little bit about what your role is in the Games, that'd be super. I am part of the Veterinary Commission that oversees the health and welfare of the horses while they're here at the Games, and it involves all three disciplines. So I'm here for the entire time, which gives some continuity to care of the horses. and we follow sort of the veterinary regulations uh, that are put in place by the FEI, see that they're followed, and our primary pur purpose is here for the welfare of the horse. Right. So what might you be called upon to do during the games? Like what does an average day look like? Basically, we are, do a lot of interaction with the team veterinarians that are involved in the day-to-day -day care of the horses. Make sure that those veterinarians are getting what they need in terms of support, uh, that we are evaluating and helping them maintain their horses properly and within the guidelines of the FEI regulations and the competition. And so our day can start out very mundane and get very hectic uh, if a problem arises or uh, we are basically uh, traveling through the barns, talking with other veterinarians and evaluating how the horses are handling the different aspects of either their stabling arrangements, uh, their training arrangements, or actual competition. 
Okay. Now, Duncan, you travel all over the world and do this kind of thing. So can you tell us some of the experiences, like some of the events that you've participated in in the past? Most of them have, have been involved in North America, uh, but uh, I do a number of FEI competitions, uh, both dressage, uh, the eventing, as well as uh, show jumping. I'm also involved with some driving competitions uh, that uh, are also FEI competitions and also some uh, vaulting competitions that are involved uh, as FEI competitions. So I sort of get a variety of mm -hmm. different things uh, that I'm involved with, which uh, makes it very enjoyable and, and yeah, uh, worthwhile. So what's your background? Where did you where did you come from and what did you do to get where you are? My background originally is uh, came from a family that was not involved with horses, but for some reason I had, had an interest and started out with a group of 10 riding lessons and it went from there. And uh, there were English riding lessons at that time and I've been involved with primarily the English disciplines. Uh, I've done uh, hunter jumpers, I've done uh, low level eventing, I've done endurance riding and also played a lot of polo. So uh, I have a sort of a wide variety. I have dabbled a little bit in the Western side of things, and certainly from a veterinary standpoint, have spent uh, quite a bit of time dealing with rainers and cutters and performance Western horses. Cool. And can you tell us a little bit about the background of like what, what kind of went into preparing for the games, and you know, particularly focusing on the welfare of the horse and the, and the biosecurity you know, involved with bringing all these horses together? Yeah, that's a very important aspect because they come from all over North and South America and Central America at this particular games, and that is a huge concern, uh, biosecurity and the welfare of the horse, um, both from the standpoint welfare with infectious problems as well as with uh, their stress under competition. So uh, there, this has been in the planning stages for a number of years. Uh, there are guidelines that are set out by the FEI, but every venue has its unique uh, aspects that have to be dealt with. A lot of that involves the weather and the environment, and then other aspects involve uh, particularly the uh, aspects of the course or the competition field of play itself, especially when we talk about eventing and the cross-country day. Uh, so that has its own unique uh, aspects that we have to work with. Uh, and as I said, planning uh, involves a lot of discussion with different people, uh, both uh, the management people of the of the venues, as well as uh, transportation people in terms of getting the horses here. And a lot of it involves uh, operations in terms of who's going to be responsible for what types of things. And uh, us as veterinarians, uh, we're in de deal with the specifics uh, a little more of what infectious agents we may be concerned with. How are we going to deal with an outbreak that occurs? Uh, what are we going to do with a sick horse? And then in terms of the competition itself, what happens if a horse gets injured, how do we manage that? And um, how do we safely deal with the horse uh, uh, if it has been injured in the field of play? So uh, a lot of that, we deal with people and try to organize people uh, in order to make that run as smoothly as possible with the idea that we're going to do the best thing possible for that horse in terms of uh, an injury or an infectious type problem and not put other horses at jeopardy uh, or the competition at jeopardy uh, along the way. Yeah, what about handling the heat and things like that, With um, especially since it's been real scorcher days the past couple of days and it promises to continue that way? Yes, that's a very important aspect and, and a lot of that from a veterinary commission standpoint is that 
Uh, we try to help educate the veterinarians that are here that may not uh, may not be aware of the environment that they may be uh, faced with in uh, coming from a different area. And so we try to help them and advise them as to what we may do for those horses, uh, be it uh, cooling aspects, be it uh, nutritional aspects, be it... Uh, uh, treatment aspects in terms of IV fluids or, or something along those lines. So it it involves a wide variety, and we're always sort of looking at the big picture and then focus down to the specifics for that individual. So uh, we try to get an overall view, what are our potential problems that we may be dealing with, and as questions arise or even try, trying to deal with those before those questions arise uh, as to how we might uh, handle them. We do have... Uh, during the competition um, venue, we do have meetings with the veterinarians, uh, veterinarian meetings, team vet meetings, where the commission discusses a number of these things, the logistics of how things may work, and, and an awareness of what may be available in terms of help for their horses from a veterinary standpoint. Okay. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right. So I'm here with Dr. Jeff Vernon, team veterinarian for the dressage team for Canada. Uh, so, welcome, Jeff. Hi. So, I just wanted to um, kind of see what your role as the team veterinarian entails and what you, so what you might be asked to do when you're here at the Games and beforehand. Well, as you said, I'm the team vet for the dressage team for Canada. And we had a approximately 10-day training camp up at a facility very close to the actual competition site uh, where all the horses uh, shipped in and uh, were evaluated, of course, when they came in. Uh, went through a, a training program from a performance standpoint and uh, in conjunction with that uh, our veterinary program is in place where we assess the horses when they arrive at training camp and monitor them for uh, soundness in any sort of disease conditions or other uh, situations which might develop at training camp but it's uh, it's just one aspect the veterinary aspect is just one aspect of the total training camp experience and what might you be called upon to do at the games um, at the games, it's 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 kind of the climax of everybody's training and uh, their goals and their ideals. And all the team vets try to do is just make sure that everything stays on track, that nobody really starts trying to to change from their existing program. It's a bit like herding cats; you, know, you just keep them going in the right direction. Um, we certainly administer any treatments which are authorized to be given. And then we continue to be vigilant and monitor the horses for any change in their overall conditions, whether that be something that they're not coping with well, for instance, the heat or humidity, um, or uh, if they start to, to develop signs of uh, any sort of infection while they're on the site. Right, and they're being temped twice a day, right? They get, yeah, they get temperatures taken in the morning and in the evening by the grooms. And that's something which is is more in their normal protocol now. It's the awareness of the importance of taking temperatures has increased in the last few years. Um, certainly they do it once a day, but most of the barns are aware of it and do it twice a day. Mm, that's due to the increased risk of herpes virus and, and influenza. Yeah, and this population, although it's a, given the nature of the horses, their value and what they're doing, it's a highly regulated population in a highly regulated environment but there is a lot of traveling so that's where the exposure takes place um, they're all vaccinated they're all vaccinated at least twice a year for uh, flu and EVR um, and you know they that and exist in addition to their normal disease monitoring processes that's usually minimizes the risk great 
And so did you have to travel here with your big bed truck or did you just travel light and just carry in your doctor's kit what you need? Yeah, I don't, uh, I've been doing this for quite a while and uh, my clientele is based across the continent. So I'm, I'm used to traveling with what I need and having access to, uh, to what I need where I need it. So uh, no, I didn't drive. I, I flew and was able to bring everything that we needed to, to have, have with us. This, they have a lot of supplies here too. Yeah, the routine things that they have, the, the things for... Um, that they might come, they might require like Legend or Adequan or uh, Pentacin, those those kind of staples. They all have enough of because I don't like to switch brands of anything when when they are in competition. If they're using one particular manufacturer, I like to stick with that manufacturer. So I usually make sure that they all come with what they need for the duration of the games. And uh, if we run out of things, there's a vet service uh, provider here, veterinary service provider here that can supply us with with anything we need for short of. Very good. So you mentioned that your uh, clientele is from all over North America um, and maybe further afield. So what's your background? Um, I graduated from the Ontario Vet College and uh, worked briefly in Maryland upon graduation and then came back to uh, Ontario, um, established my own practice. And that was a mixed uh, hunter-jumper racehorse practice, thoroughbred, and then moved into the uh, hunter-jumper realm and, and stayed in that realm until the time of the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky when Robert Dover sort of asked me if I'd help him with the Canadian dressage team. He was the coach at that point at Kentucky. And uh, given Robert's enthusiasm for the sport, I accepted and uh, kind of just stayed on with the dressage team even after Robert left. But I'm uh, one of the veterinarians for the United States show jumping team. And uh, so that and the Canadian dressage team keep me busy from a team standpoint. Okay, and as far as, um, we talked a little bit about the preparations that happen, so as far as um, shipping them here, what I know you had a short travel, but as they come from all over points and all, all across um, Canada, what did you do to prepare them and make sure that they were all safe and happy and healthy? They, um, the, the standard sort of daily maintenance stuff is, is, is given. You know, they take temperatures twice a day, as we talked about. Um, they're all electrolytes. Uh, they're all exercised regularly. Uh, really, nothing is different prior to shipping. Uh, you know, gone are the days where we used to tube horses with a gallon of mineral oil and give them all prophylactic antibiotics. I don't think anybody does that anymore. Uh, we just make sure that the horses are uh, are healthy prior to shipping. That nobody has a fever. Uh, certainly, don't want to be vaccinating immediately before shipping. And really, the horses that we have here from Canada have all come from not too far distance. I think our longest horse traveled from Florida, which is which was far enough. It was a 30-hour trans, transit for that horse in a truck. But the other ones came within uh, about a 12-hour drive, and they all arrived safely with no problems. Excellent. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Hi. Uh, so we're here with um, Roger Lose from the Massachusetts SPCA, who is the operator of the Equine Ambulance for the Pan Am Games. So welcome, Roger. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, obviously, you get to drive the ambulance, but tell <laughs> us a bit more about that. You get to drive the ambulance, yes. We have a lot of equipment that we've designed, some equipment we've designed to move horses that are down. And uh, we also carry a lot of other stuff to help any of the equine athletes that might get injured here at the Games. Okay. Um, and how many ambulances do you have here on site? We have one here now, and we'll bring a second one in for the cross-country phase. So um, one of the things I found really interesting was listening to the preparations that had to happen to the logistics of getting everything organized and making sure you had routes and stuff. So can you tell us a, just a little bit about what goes into that preparation? 
a lot of walking around. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, have to, um, this is a totally new site for me, and um, the cross-country site hasn't been used before, so obviously that's a totally new site. When I go to horse shows I've done before, I have an idea of what the layout is, so I don't have as much I have to do before it happens. Here, obviously, I've never been here before. So it's walking around, finding where to, um, where my vehicle can go, how I get into the arenas, how I get out of the arenas, um, where I need to go if I do have an injured horse on my vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, we're going to try to transfer horses to another trailer and have them take them to the vet hospital so right. I can remain on the ground. Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess just communication with the team is really important. With the vet team, it's yeah. very important. And then with the, um, the people who work here, the, um, the, the uh, ring crew and the jump builders and the jump crew, all of them help me do what I have to do. So. Great, yeah. Um, so as far as uh, when, the, <clears throat> when the field of play is on, where, where are you located usually? When it's in the arena, I'm behind the main arena in the only um, truck route in. I take the same route the um, human ambulances would take okay. into the arena. So we kind of hang together, me and the ambulance guys. So. And the cross country is where there's usually thrills and spills. So where do you try and position yourself for that? That is much more complicated and it takes much more time. Um, here I have one option. Right. There I have many options. So that again entails me getting onto a site, spending, I don't know, probably by the time I'm done, three or four, maybe even five hours of figuring out where I'm driving, how I'm getting there. The, the issue you have there is um, on any cross country site is that you have galloping lanes and you have to find where the crossing is in the galloping lane to get to one field or another. Um, this particular site, the, um, the course is kind of almost like a corkscrew type thing. Mm -hmm. So it crosses back on itself a number of times. So we have to find the right way to get through those crossings to be able to get to where, whatever jump we need to get to. Mm -hmm. The other issue we run into with this particular um, site is it's got a lot of terrain. There's a lot of hills and dales and nothing really tall, but a lot of gullies and stuff that we have to figure out, drive rain or shine. If it's raining, my roots change. Right, gotcha. And yeah, so, and, um, but it's not, the good thing about it is, is I, I try to break it down to be really simple wherever I go. Good thing about this one is it's kind of broken into naturally by a couple of stone walls and tree lines okay. into different areas. So once you get into the field, it's not that hard. You just got to figure out what field, what jumps are in and how to get into those particular places. And then you're way out thinking that you might be transporting something that's standing right. and not as stable as it would a regular horse. Okay. Yeah. So that gets a little complicated. Right. Excellent. So I guess your job is to kind of get in get out as quick as possible, as safe as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. And are there any other challenges that you kind of face that are unique to the Pan Ams? Getting in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh I'm not used to being told I can't drive here, I can't drive there. Right, everything um, is pretty tightly controlled because tightly of security. Control. I understand it completely. It just makes my job a little harder. Right. Um, I would I would have a truck over there, not my whole trailer, but a truck over there driving routes. But I can't have a truck over there driving yeah. routes. So. Right. Well, I guess, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, and good luck. Thanks. Okay, take care.